0: Welcome into the Husker 24-7 Podcast. Mike Schaefer here, Michael Brunts there, Brian Christofferson also here. The trifecta, mm-hmm. as we're known as in some circles. Brian disagrees. Just this circle. Yes. <laughs> what, what other circle is there?
1: <laughs> that none matter.
0: Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Just, Gentlemen, how are you doing on this wonderful February Tuesday? The, uh... The promise of
2: spring ball is on the horizon, gentlemen. Mm-hmm. We've almost made it through the long winter.
1: Did you enjoy, uh, Brunson and I, talking at length about the Music City Bowl just a few minutes ago?
0: Yeah. Uh, as always, uh, the best banter occurs before the record button gets hit, and you two were just, for some reason, I'm not entirely sure why I had zoned out. But We were waxing poetic. When I, when I came back, too, you were discussing Nebraska's most recent bowl trip, which was the, uh, the Music City Bowl. In which they played Tennessee. Riker Fife got the start. Nate Gary didn't make the trip because he couldn't finish school. And yeah.
2: that's Nate, how that's how we got there. Yeah. Well, we were talking about a couple players on that team, and then realized that you know
0: Nate Gary missed Nebraska's last bowl game.
1: We were trying to as
0: did uh, as did both Jordan Westerkamp and Tommy Armstrong. Right.
1: Yes, they did. Yes. yes. Yeah.
0: So three three of Nebraska's best players that year. And it, I think it actually started because of. We, were,
2: we got on that t- thread of topic because of t- Tommy Armstrong's post where he and Jordan Westerkamp are apparently together somewhere Reunited. as roommates. Tommy, Tommy was sweaty. I don't know where, yeah. where that
0: was.
1: <laughs> and then we were wondering way to, how many, way to set the scene there. We were wondering how many yards Joshua Dobbs threw for, for Tennessee. Did we ever look that up? Um, I'm going to say three – 58. Stats department. I'm, I'm on it. 358 from Joshua Dobbs. They wore those ugly gray Tennessee uniforms. Slate that, that gray, smoky things. That, although they were a tribute to like there was a fire, yeah. So I should not. I should. Well, back. the decal was a I, tribute. I don't know if the uniform. I was. I still don't like the look of the uniform. I'll no. uh, be honest, but uh, yeah, that was like that was a fun bull trip. They gave Mike Riley a guitar. I, I remember Bush getting Jones lost in Opryland. I was kind of hoping he would just like start playing classical gas or something, but. The uh, Butch Jones also got a guitar. I think Brunt's yeah. got a
2: pretty good photo of that. I've got sense. a great photo of both of those guys that I look at from time to time when I feel bad about life. Um, <laughs> the the other gri- Is it
0: because both of them are fired and you still have a job?
2: <laughs> no, it's just a reminder of when, you know, we'd go to bowl games and stuff like that. <laughs> oh, um, no, the... the uh, The other thing I remember about that week was Garrett Johns winning the hot chicken eating contest. And then wearing the belt. Going through an entire practice wearing a wrestling belt. Yep. um, Which is pretty great. Dobbs threw. Uh,
0: I want to guess 312. 358.
2: Uh, You guys are both uh, high. According to Price is Right rules, you would not win. But he was 23 of 38 for 291 and a touchdown. He ran for th- – this is where may- maybe your minds over time has just combined. He ran for 210. <laughs> <Pretty close. laughs> 11 carries for 118 yards and three touchdowns. Oh, boy.
1: And they had one – they had at least one or two passes that would have been like 85. Remember there was a guy who dropped one in stride that would have been like an 80-yard touchdown or yes. something.
2: But... They they needed a, a deep touchdown um, with eight minutes left in the game to that's because that, that was when it. Nebraska had it within seven. Yeah. So that's your – your, your trip down yeah. memory lane. JoJo
1: Doman um, mm-hmm. either caused or fell on the fumble. I can't remember. But uh, if you want to connect it to current Huskers.
2: Yep. And that's your...
0: Uh... Doman was playing at that
2: point? Yeah,
1: he was. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure he... Uh, I feel really strong that he was involved in that. I don't game. think so. Because he I, tore his... I think he, I wrote about it too many times. I he, thought he
0: redshirted. And then he tore his ACL Bronx. in 2017. I'm on it. <laughs> and then he came back in 2018, in which he would have been a sophomore. 2019, he was a junior. 2020, he <sighs> a senior. I don't That's... think your timeline adds up. I'm calling BS on this fumble recovery. I think I no, either forced it or – It was
2: late. Yeah, here it is. Look at his bile. <laughs> yeah, I got it. So in the early in the fourth quarter, Drew Brown kicks off. Forced by JoJo Doman, recovered by Muhammad Barry. Yeah, Mo Barry got it. He recovered so does, it. How
1: does that eligibility work out? You need his. You need to pull up his bio. What did he do,
0: Doman? Because that was a 2016 season.
1: Well, he had a serious injury. uh
0: I, I'm also on it.
2: This yeah. is this is a great audio by the way <laughs> i mean pe- we're deep diving into jojo i Doman's think people so he played as a freshman in 16 sat out 17 okay played in 18 that would explain 19. that yeah
1: he had that
0: he's because one, the knee injury would have given him he's one of the 20 olds scholarship gotcha. olds on the team left yep huh anyway, well good. i apologize
1: no i i it was one of those things that you've written way too many times because you we just repeat stuff sometimes and that def I remember that he was in that was like his play that he was going to build on, you know, how we do that sort of thing or I do. Gotcha.
2: That it was it was the kind of play that you we were going to be talking about him through the entire spring based <laughs> on that play. <laughs> that was going to get you because through. there
0: wasn't much else to talk about. He had eight from... ta- he had eight tackles
2: uh all on special teams which uh were the third most for Nebraska that year. Wow. Yeah. He played in every game.
1: 2017 that's what happened. 2017 was really unfortunate for JoJo. Because well, there was
2: a ton of buzz about him from he Mike Riley. Was,
1: he was everywhere in the spring. Yeah. He really was because we saw practices.
2: Yeah, he well, he got hurt in the spring.
1: That yeah, the... and it disrupted it, and he had a good connection with the late Bob Elliott, and it just that season unfortunately went a different way. But yes,
0: anyway, and then he came back and smashed Dwayne Haskins, and he did. That's his probably most noteworthy contribution at this point. I mean, he started all last year. Mm-hmm. Had some nice plays. Uh, that was your JoJo Doman segment. Yep. We weaved banter about the Music City Bowl into JoJo Doman, bringing us to uh, today's opening topic.
1: Mm.
0: Who is a player that it's now or never for this spring with Nebraska football?
1: It's now or never. You know that song? Go ahead. No, that's all I got. Who okay. was
2: who that? Who sings that?
1: Oh, that'd be Elvis, right? Really? I don't know if he sang the original version. It's <laughs> like making you Google. <laughs> who's sang now or never? I, I I think of the Elvis version on that.
0: I already got the Jojo Doman thing wrong, so I'm just done doubting BC at this point. Okay. Um,
1: well, I don't I I trust
2: BC implicitly on everything that happened before 1992, <laughs> so that's a general rule of thumb in my life. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Um. I'm...
0: There's there's a slight little barb in there, and I love it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, let's let's jump into this, Brian. Who is a guy that you think has to have a good spring to put himself in position to contribute this year, or his career will just kind of go by the wayside at Nebraska?
1: Um, the first guy that pops into my head is Javon McQuitty, um, and I think. When I think of a now or never guy, I think of guys that people have already said that ship has sailed, like if he comes up at the grocery store. I don't know. stuff like this never comes up at the grocery store. That's a line people use. But do you ever actually have things like this? I don't
0: talk to people yeah, at the grocery exactly. store. Yeah, no I am there, there to get groceries, what? I am not there to socialize. No
1: one in the line ever says, You know, Javon McQuiddy yeah. only had three catches for fourteen yards. Some little old ladies put her <laughs> produce up on the belt and turns around and goes, that, that McQuitty really needs to have a good season, this doesn't needs, he? For the depth purposes, yeah.
2: And then she says, yeah, Elvis did say now or no, sing now or never.
1: <laughs> but uh, McQuitty is one of those guys who, if he came up, some people would be like, yeah, yeah it's over, you know. And those are the guys I consider in this category as like, well, you never know. Sometimes there's that, I always think like Justin Jackson, like, out of nowhere, suddenly he's, yeah. a, he's helping and he was actually really good his senior year. Well, I think um,
0: an example of this just from last year is Markel Dismuke, Somebody people yeah, had written off and he it. was kind of the, the lone constant player in the, the safety position last year.
1: I think McQuitty, the one th- thing you could make a case for him, he's dealt with a lot of injuries. Uh, his high school career, as you guys know, was loaded, but that's a long time ago now. But Maybe his battery got charged up here with a new coach. You never know. Like sometimes you get a new voice in there and it just connects with you. And so I'd say him. Um, I don't consider Cade Warner a now or never guy, but I group those two juniors as important. Like everybody's going to get obsessed for good reason with the young receivers. But if they want to fill it out where there's like five, six, seven guys, they're going to need like Warner or McQuiddy. Um, to I feel like have some role. It doesn't have to be like a starting role necessarily, but they've got to be like a reliable guy that you can get some good snaps out of. I
2: think that's fair. Brunts, who you got? So I always kind of look at that question as it's kind of that sweet spot of like a redshirt sophomore, maybe somebody in a junior year.
0: Uh, I'll give you two. No, you only give us one. Even at the same, even though they're the same position, you can come back for the second one. You got to play by the rules here. He gave you two. What two did
1: he I get? Did Cade Warner and McQuitty? I don't Mine? Jeez. I'm I
0: wasn't really, even counting Cade Warner.
2: I'm not really counting Warner on mine. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll just go with this one. What about uh, Caleb Tanner is mine. That's cool. fair. Uh, That's a good uh, one. So, obviously, it was a recruiting win. Uh, he's played quite a bit of football, actually, uh, his first two years. He um, played in every game last year, 17 tackles. You know, very small... Kind of bursts, I guess you've kind of seen the potential there. But that outside linebacker spot is one that, going back to hell, Randy Gregory. Like, is that fair to say? Even though he's technically a defensive end, you you haven't had somebody that's just been a difference maker, not you know, ground in the uh, you know, hand in the dirt guy that can go get after the quarterback. We thought that Caleb Tanner was going to be that guy. He needed to add weight. I mean, that's the thing. He showed up in Lincoln pretty slight, but. They list him at 220. Um, you know, there's possibility for him, I, I think, to get in there uh, if he's ready to go. But, uh, you know, it the way that the staff is recruiting and the way that they've recruited the outside linebacker spot, and, and I think that they're in on some good guys too. Maybe he's another guy with new, a new position coach in, in Mike Dawson that he kind of takes that ne- next step. But I feel like this is where he really needs to kind of jump up and, and seize that starting job.
0: Yeah. Uh, Do you want to go ahead with your your second one? No, I'll play by the rules. Okay. All right. Uh, I'll give you one that kind of fits along the same lines of Caleb Tanner. It's a guy that's played. It's a guy that I think people were expecting may even have a starting role next year. But I think given what Nebraska has along that defensive front, he's going to have to go out and earn it. That's Damian Daniels. Yep. I think Damian Daniels has to have a good spring. I think that Damian Daniels needs to show that he can – consistently play at the same level uh, when he's out there on the field. He's been a little bit of an elevator player. It was kind of how it was described in the past, where you would get a really good effort on one play, and then you get a couple plays where it didn't feel like you were getting the same kind of effort. And so uh, big spring to me with Damian Daniels, because Ty Robinson is taking somebody's job. He's taking somebody's reps. I don't know if it's going to be at the defensive end spot. I don't know if it's going to be at the nose tackle spot. Lots of excitement about Ty Robinson from people over there. And then you have JaKeem Green, too, who I think can also help Nebraska out as well. And so I'm, I'll be curious what they do at Nose Tackle, but they need Damian Daniels to have a nice spring. And so this is a, a big, you know, March and April are going to be big months for him. I'm curious, you know, if he's able to kind of put it all together. Uh, he was overshadowed, obviously, by having Darian here. Um, but maybe that helped in some ways too. So we'll we'll see what happens with him this spring. Brian, you got another for us? You want to go to Brunt's?
1: Um Brunch, we go to Brunt's. By the knows. way, "It's Now or Never" was recorded by Elvis in nineteen sixty. Twenty million copies. One of the best-selling singles of all time. Wow. There do, you you have go. It on, do you have it on vinyl? I don't have that song. I do have a I have an Elvis sings the gospel vinyl record. That's actually kind of cool. It's like an old and it's it's good. Anyway. Nice. Uh,
2: kind of at that same outside linebacker spot. I don't know how to transition from that, but uh, I mean, David Alston is a guy that you know, you got to see something from him, right? I mean, it, it was he's a guy that you know, came in in that transition class. I think he was injured. He had some he had some shoulder issues coming in, maybe. Um, but you know, another guy that as you're kind of trying to fill out that outside linebacker room, like. I mean, he he hasn't really even come up in conversations
0: about. Yeah, it, that's concerning. Um, so,
2: you know, Garrett Nelson's not going to give up reps. Um, JoJo Doman's going to be on the field. I mean, this is kind of this is it. Caleb For, Tanner's like fighting
0: that. to play. Right. You're going to have Nico Cooper. They're going to want to try to get on the field. A little Blaze Gunnerson action. Yep. So yeah, I mean,
2: that's th- those two guys to me at a very key position are the ones that I think uh, stand out immediately. I don't. Um,
1: I don't know if he qualifies. Okay. Yeah, he's got one. But I think who, who Tate, are you writing off? Well, I'm not. But Tate Tate Wilderman, I think, has a big Ooh. off season ahead. He's he's still young in the program, and you have to consider that his first fall got he was just it was obliterated because right. of an injury. So I almost consider him like even though he's a redshirt sophomore,
0: a redshirt freshman.
1: I think of him in like that group kind of. Uh, but he doesn't have that year. I mean, it's got, one of those years is gone. And the only reason I bring him up is not because I'm, like, trying to speed up the process on him. Uh, but I do think they've got so many young guys. You mentioned a Ty Robinson and, like, there's, like, a Casey Rogers and Keem Green if he's worth the hype. Um, where if I'm Tate Wildeman or somebody like that, I'm like, I need a good offseason to put myself in that mix. Because once it gets going a little bit, you get Sometimes they can be hard yep. to, to work your way in, because um, coaches—this happens everywhere—they develop comfort with six, seven guys that they feel like these are the top guys. Well, and, and
0: they're always going to try to recruit over you.
1: Yeah, so it's so this is—I think for a guy like Wildman, it's big. I was trying to think of an old lineman. I got one for okay, you. Okay, go.
0: This is uh this is a long shot, but it is the best opportunity that Matt Sichterman will have to win a starting job is in this open line competition. He hasn't been able to do it yet. So far, you have Bo Wilson, Trent Hickson, who have played over him. He's bounced around, kind of like Matt Farniak, where unfortunately, because of Nebraska's poor tackle numbers, he's been forced to play right tackle early in his career and couldn't line up at guard, which might be a better spot for him. Now he's going to have that opportunity. I think their tackle numbers are a little bit more where they want it. Uh, Matt Sickerman's name came up a few times from Greg Austin last year. I don't know. I wouldn't bet on him to win this job, but that's a guy that was a pretty solid recruiting win for Nebraska under the previous staff. Seems to at least have the respect from Greg Austin in terms of the work that he's put in. And now it's an opportunity this spring where they're going to have an open competition uh, across some of those spots on the offensive line this is his shot if he's going to be a starter. And so I, I think Matt Sichterman is kind of the first name I think of, of somebody that, you know, fan base might've just completely forgotten about, yeah. but is at least going to have an opportunity this spring. Yeah.
1: There, there's basically, in my mind, there's two jobs open. We don't know necessarily where they are. Um, Cause you know, they're going to put Hymas at left tackle, you know, Juergens, Juergens. they love Jurgens at center and Farniak's either going to be a right guard or right tackle. Um, depending on Ben Hart's status. And so there you go. Two spots are open, and but they need they need to have where they have like eight or nine guys. So even if Sichterman didn't win a starting job, but he was like the seventh or eighth guy and they actually felt good about eight guys, that would be movement by him, I think.
0: All right. Well, we got a large swath of the, uh, the field on that one. Um, I have a couple other names that I'll toss in. You guys tell me if I'm – Curious um, to see if the other names that you have are the same other names that I have.
2: I th- I suspect that at least okay. one of them is the same. Do you want to? Do you, you want to go alternate time. here? Say it at the BC same time. BC doesn't have any more names. He's he, done. I, I just he's written watch. everybody off. Uh,
1: one. You want me to go first? And the count of three, you both say it. Okay. <laughs> okay. One, two, three. Austin, Austin Allen. <laughs> 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 Were you guys looking at each other like that SNL skit where they try to sing the song together? You kind of, or did you actually? Yeah.
0: I mean, I, that I'm felt not...
1: like you uh, both thought the same. Have we, talk, have we talked about it
0: off air? You... No, but we both – I guess we talked about it on my radio show a little bit in terms of, uh, you know, the running joke of we both have a lot of stock of Austin Allen. Yes. And so I, I, some of this has to do with the emergence of Travis Vokalek and Chris Hickman. Um, I think the tight end position is one where a guy like Jack Stoll has been a three-year starter – I could see being their third or fourth tight end this year, and Austin Allen really needs to uh, take advantage of this spring and and put himself in competition with Vokalek, or he's going to end up getting buried too. And so I, that was one of the names that uh, I assumed one of you guys would say, but I, I was holding on to. Just Pierce Brunson and I had the same idea.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it's for me, it's it's both Allen
0: and Raftall. I mean, right. with with the way I, I'll be honest, I've I've kind of written off Kurt Raftall. Yeah, maybe I shouldn't have, but. I, I just don't, you know, even to degree David Alston, there's certain guys I don't expect sure. it's going to happen sure. for.
2: But, I mean, you, you've got – that room has been the same. It's been very static for a couple of years. Neither Allen nor Raftall have pushed Jack Stoll in any significant way. I think that with the, the people that they have now in that room, with Vocalek being a huge body, with Chris Hickman being a little bit more of a – a kyler reed type tight end i think you can be a little bit more situational with the way that you use those guys too and i don't know i mean they the the chances have been there for both of those guys to get up and, and kind of you know win some reps and, and and win some win some uh more playing time and it just hasn't happened um you know especially as a receiver i mean jack stoll has been fine but you know it it Position has been lacking explosiveness, and, and neither of those guys have really delivered that to this point. Maybe that changes. Maybe they find a way uh, to, to get those two involved uh, in, in the red zone, being what six eight and six seven. But yeah, I mean, it, it, that room is going to look a lot different uh, once Stoll's gone. And you know, I I, I I wouldn't say right now that that Allen would be the, the shoe in to start by any means, or even be in that group in a significant significant amount.
0: Yeah. I've got I've got one more that I don't think people would necessarily think because the expectation is that he's gonna be a starter next year. But I don't know if that's locked into stone. What about DeAndre Thomas? I mean he Yeah, he was one guy I was thinking of. He hasn't necessarily cashed in on a lot of the excitement about him. He had kind of a weird career in that he was recruited to be a four three defensive tackle and then he ended up at nose tackle and now he's a defensive end and then he had what sounded to be a good fall camp last year and then found himself you know with the davis twins playing so well and ben stilly then being the next guy up at defensive end it just felt like he was sort of the the fourth guy and the the least thought about guy yeah. at that spot but i i don't know if he's necessarily a shoe in as a starter either because Again, they like Jakeem Green. They like Ty Robinson. Mosai Newsom is someone that I think could push Casey Rogers. You mentioned Tate Wildeman. They've got some guys that are going to be involved here. Ben Stilley, I feel pretty comfortable, is going to be a defensive end for him. I think DeAndre Thomas needs to cement his status as a starter. Uh, I think he needs to have a good spring. And he's a talented guy, and we've seen it in spurts, at least at practices. But we haven't seen a lot of it on the field.
1: I put him almost in the same category as Caleb Tanner, where you know he's gonna be out there for him some, and he's right. gonna be a a solid player at least. But can he be a great player that you think is within him? Um, and I see, and I say that as a compliment in a way to both him and Caleb Tanner, because I think they have that possibility to be a great player. Um, and if you listen to Tony Tuioti last. Fall camp, like you were saying in August. Remember, he was comparing him to uh, the dude at the Rams, who's a stud. Like just, Donald, just, yeah, just like leverage, what, like the way he his strength and the way he gets leverage and stuff like that. And uh, that's when I was like, okay, that let's see they, they're really gonna ramp it up for DeAndre. And it just didn't quite happen, like I thought. Yeah,
0: I I expected he would have a much bigger role last year than he did.
2: Well, I, I think. That whole group, they started out with, it was basically, what, two, two series for the starters, one for the second team, and then it kind of, as the season went along, the, you saw the second team less and less, or you saw very small numbers of the second team. It, the, I think the problem for DeAndre Thomas is that he's a 4-3 guy who was recruited that way. and
0: So were the Davis twins, and they found some success late. Yeah. I mean, it's... They have similar body profiles. Yeah, I mean they're it, more explosive. They're more I explosive, the and I, I
2: don't. We'll see if DeAndre can play outside. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think that's that. That's the question.
0: Yeah, I I definitely get that. I will say you bring up a a thing. If we were going to make a list of things that you always hear every spring, at least one of the coaches will talk about how they want to do more rotation in the subsequent season, and then absolutely not do more rotation. Usually, always comes from the defensive line going to point that out one position where i like dawson said it didn't happen it was a big thing from john uh perella and it didn't happen i mean i just think these guys get locked into their top guys and it's just so hard because the drop-off is severe
2: that's probably an expression of the depth that nebraska had at those spots too but I, i the one position that i think you will see it if they can get the guys is inside linebacker like he wants 4. He wants to play
0: 4. Well, and that might be by virtue of the difference between the top 2 and the 3 and the 4 or yeah. nil and not because depth is so strong but because it's just sort of a flat line position. Well, they they they
2: in the past at UCF have rotated 4. That's their their mm-hmm. optimum and uh I mean they had 3 basically the the last 2 years, so We'll see if that changes at all.
1: The one thing we need to see is we're so used to guys, not, not really getting a lot better, that we kind of we kind of expect that nothing's going to change. You know, like when we look at like a, a like just even a Colin Miller or Will Honus, it's mm-hmm. sort of this expectation. Like, okay, we've seen what they can do, because that's what we've seen the last ten years or so. It feels like where guys they reach their peak and there it settles. And so that's where Nebraska football really has to take the step where we actually start to see where we can't just talk in the offseason like we know these guys as finished products when they're sophomores or juniors. Um, and that that's just been way too common with Nebraska football. You feel like you know the player after three years in the program when you shouldn't yet. There should still be climbing going on, and that's what this staff and this program really needs to show they can do.
0: Well, I think that it- – Partly because we haven't seen, or there's not a lot of examples. Yeah, that's exactly. I mean, Lamar Jackson is one, and he's a pretty rare one. Uh, But a lot of cases, you have these guys who showcase their talent. Like, Cam Taylor Britt is an example of this to me. Mm -hmm. This is a guy that had a very nice freshman year. I think he had a very solid sophomore year. Do you see, like, what does the next level for Cam Taylor Britt look like?
1: I think he can be really good. I think he should play on the outside. Okay. Instead um, of safety, I think the safety spot hurt him a little bit, okay. and they had to play it. That's just my opinion. Don't you think he was overthinking? A I think little he's too and,
0: big to play on the outside now. I don't. I, I think I, I think he struggles to stay with the speed quickness of I, of a guy like that.
1: But I'll be interested in what they do with him. Yeah, I, I liked their lineup the last couple of weeks, though. I actually liked it better when they had Boodle at safety. I agree with you, and and Taylor Britt, but he is a big guy. He, I mean, he's. Thick, like he – well, he was a lifter of the year last year.
0: The fear at one point was that he was going to, I'd say eat, but also lift, like build himself out of that room to where he might end up as like some sort of weird second-level hybrid player, sort of like a JoJo Dome. It wouldn't be the worst thing if – Right. Well, he's a guy they're going to get on the field. Um, I just – I sometimes wonder, like, you see someone – as an example, I'm going to use Minnesota football and people are going to get mad. Not Vikings, sorry, Brian, but Gophers. Oh, all right. But can Cam Taylor Britt have the same sort of impact that an Antoine Winfield had? Because to me, that's like the sort of the next jump is yeah, you become that sort of dangerous guy that teams have to know where you're lined up at all times. And Antoine Winfield Jr. would play some nickel. He'd play some safety. I mean, he was a ball hawk. He'd come into the he come downhill. I mean he played himself into a day one or a day two NFL pick. Like we haven't seen that kind of like progression from a player. Mm-hmm. And I think Cam Taylor Britt has that sort of ability. I don't know if he has elite athleticism, but he just has a knack for being around the ball. And I'll be curious where he finishes things off. Brunts has given me the 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 hurry up sign there
2: I I, with Cam Taylor Britt I think he needs to just wherever he ends up he needs to be there because I I really don't think that I think it was taxing Nebraska's defense at times last year when he was lined up at safety because you were putting a lot more on Markel Dismuke to call the defense get guys in position maybe that's a a product of you know not being at safety all the time maybe not knowing the defense I mean he he's a plus athlete and you gotta I, I agree i mean maybe you just put him out there in, in a hybrid role I, I think that's maybe that makes more sense to me than just a a straight corner i don't think he's got i, I don't see how he would be a nickel right now but i i, I just think that uh you know you got to find somewhere to put him but i don't think you i don't think you move him around the, the way that they have i, I think yeah. it was kind of a a little bit of a disservice to him last year, that Colorado game being a prime example.
0: All right. Well, let's uh, let's pay some bills. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk some basketball.
3: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.
0: And we are back. And you haven't missed Nebraska basketball winning a game because it hasn't happened since January, what, 5th? 7th. Mm-hmm. 7th? Yeah. I was in the neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, the 12, Iowa, Iowa, who's like a four seed. Yeah. 12 straight losses for Nebraska. Um, I think they've lost their last. 12. Well, right. They <laughs> lost their last three by double digits. Before that was a. Uh, the road game loss to Maryland that was close prior to that, they lost three straight by double digits before that was, I'm pretty sure the Rutgers game. So they've got kind of a streak going here and they have Ohio state coming to town. Is this an opportunity for them to get off the Schneid brunt? Well, I mean
2: this, this week is all about Sunday, right? Sunday, Northwestern in town, Mm-hmm Three fifteen tip at Pinnacle Bank Arena. So you're just skipping Thursday's game entirely. I mean, I I think I think all
1: I, you don't want to look ahead. All signs point to the streak ending Sunday. But I, I
2: <laughs> something has to give that day.
0: <laughs> you don't want to look ahead, but Nebraska would just as soon cancel Thursday night's yeah.
2: game. Yeah, and it's an eight p.m. tip on Thursday too, and those are the worst. So, um, yeah, I mean it's it's been rough, but I mean I think we can. S- I think that in spite of the way that these games have played out, that you can, without pumping sunshine, see progress that's being made on this team. You snicker, but I think that's yeah. I think that's true. No,
1: I'm not snickering at that. I think about when you saw them, well, it should be this way, but when they trotted out for their first game and you watched that trash, yeah. it was trash, you're just like, man, this is going to be tough. And I'm not saying it's fun to watch right now but they're in the games with teams that are going to be in the dance for like with 10 minutes to go they just can't they just don't have enough to be there 40 minutes you know when it gets to the crunch time or there's always that one minute or two minute stretch where the other squad hits two back-to-back threes and things get away quickly from this team
2: i noticed it last night in that Illinois game where, you know, they're hanging around, they're hanging around, they tie up the game. It was 46 where where they tied it up. And I'd seen it a little bit, and Fred's talked about it a lot, where Nebraska misses an easy one on offense. Or they drive in, a shot gets blocked, and it goes back the other way. And I feel like in in those situations, like the, the fact that Nebraska plays with pace, it really kind of bites them a little bit. Because what happens is you get a shot blocked at the rim. It goes back the other way with some kind of, you know, three on two or something like that. You get a quick bucket. Nebraska inbounds the ball, goes right back down, forces a shot. You know, and it just seems like that's where it snowballs is where Nebraska just, like, doesn't play defense for, like, two minutes. They're trying so hard to press it on offense that it, it just – that's where you go from a tie game to yeah. an 8-1 run or, you know, a 10-0 run or something like that. And that's that's kind of the way it's gone, I feel like.
0: Well, and the the thing that always stands out to me is they just have no easy – there's no one on their team that can go get you a basket when you need it. I mean, Cheatham has played well this year, but he you either have to catch him at the right time on a spot-up three and then he's a 30% shooter – or he needs to be able to catch a backdoor pass, or he gets a drive to the to the lane. Same for Deshaun Burke, almost identical on all of those things. The problem with Burke is he's very small, and he gets very little benefit of the doubt when he goes into the lane. One thing I've kind of liked that they've incorporated a little bit, seeing more draw Ogo, letting him go into the paint a little bit. He's still clumsy at times, um, but... I've seen some real progress there. I like that. I mean, it, Cam Mack didn't play yesterday, but he hasn't been very good the last five games. I mean, if you you look at his, his shooting numbers, they've been pretty poor. He hasn't scored many points, um, but he's been very helpful in terms of setting up the rest of that offense. It's just, like you said, they're tied up or they have the opportunity to take a lead or to retie it again, and it's just like they're – no easy way for them to go score it's just such a battle and then you play a team like illinois that is just throwing up brick after brick after brick after brick it's finally the kind of game where nebraska has an opportunity to hang around because when they played wisconsin and michigan state and they actually have scored and they've done some things all of a sudden those teams are hitting threes at a 56 percent rate but here you have illinois who can't throw it into the ocean Unless there's 0.1 seconds left on the clock and they literally threw it in the ocean, it worked. Uh, it just luck has not been on Nebraska's side. They have not caught a lot of breaks. They've had an insane amount of buzzer beaters right before halftime against them. Uh, they're just a a team that is searching for anything. But I I have a lot of respect for how hard they played last night. Yeah. I mean, I thought that game was over when Illinois went up ten in the first half, and they battled back twice, being down by I think once as high as 12 to tie it, and then once as high as nine in the second half. And they tied it, and they just couldn't overcome it. They have to expend so much energy to tie it that they just cannot sustain that level. Well, it's
2: if it feels like everything with that team is hard, it's because it is. I mean, you know, Illinois, you're right. I mean, they were really struggling to shoot from the field they last night. They looked terrible. But they were going hard to the glass. Right. And, like, you know, that that's the thing for Nebraska is you're expending so much energy – just trying to like keep it close in rebounding margin, and that's a, that's a tough way to live. I mean, and and that'll get better once they get some size in there. Guys coming off of redshirt years, I think Ivan's played. There's still flashes where he looks like a 17 year old kid playing in the Big Ten, but I think that you can see where with development in an off a real off season that he can be a pretty serviceable big in, in the Big Ten. I you know Cam Mack, I kind of wonder if he's starting to hit the wall a little bit from having to play so many minutes and being relied upon so much you know I, I think Thor um, has kind of been the story of the season a little bit impressive um, with the way he shot the ball and the way he's functioned in this offense so you know is, as hard as it's been to watch I mean they, they they have brought guys along and I think that there's a few guys that whenever you you know bring Banton and you bring Stevenson and uh, Walker. Walker off the the, the Red shirt stuff you add Teddy Allen to that group uh, for scoring punch. I mean, I are they going to be on the bubble next year? Probably not, but I think they're going to be a heck of a lot more competitive than they are right now. In this conference,
0: they could be yeah. if it's as deep as it is this year. Depending how everything goes, yeah. Yeah. Um one thing that uh that always kind of catches my attention with Nebraska basketball right now is just the development of of those guys and just what Thor was able to do in the off season. I mean, we were just talking about this on the other side for football. I mean, if some of these guys that they do end up sticking around—Kevin Crossway, Drawgo, you know, Thor again, uh, Deshawn Burke—I'll be very curious what they look like, you know, at this time next year. And I, one of the things that I think is really tough with being overly critical about this version of Nebraska basketball is—and I think it's a great story—but Charlie easily getting important minutes for you because you're just down so many players. You look at the athleticism that Illinois has. Like, a couple times last night, his guys were getting the offensive rebounds because he just couldn't hang with them. I mean, the dude with the put-back dunk. Like, there's not a whole lot Charlie Easley can do there. And so, some of it for Nebraska will just be next year they're going to be at a position where they're going to have more athletically comparable individuals, Mm -hmm. and this year it just constantly has felt like they've been playing three on five on both ends of the court, and that's hard to do. Yeah, and it's you know I I
2: think that what's going to be fascinating, like you said, is what does this roster look like next? Nebraska is still recruiting for for this recruiting class. Like the, the you know Charlie Easley's scholarship is only going to be for this year, so you basically have one available there. And you know I, I think you're going to see a transfer or two um, come in, guys going out, but. You know, I I think there's at least a core if you can keep everybody in the program that you can kind of build around at least. And, you know, another offseason with with Fred, and I think that's what Fred's strength is, is developing guys. You can see after practice the way he walks around and works with guys. And it's not just like a a, a one thing here or there. I mean, he's always working with Cam Mack on his shot. He's always working with uh, Delano Banton on free throws or whatever. Uh, So that, that...
0: are you saying Delano Banton can't make free throws because people don't want to hear that? Well, I mean, he, if he
2: can make them at a seventy percent clip, you'll take that, right? <laughs>
0: <The> throw a parade <laughs> for him right now.
2: Uh, commission the statue. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like those kinds of things, I, I I think are are where this team can, you know, be pretty good. Gervais Green's interesting to me. What what happens with him next year? Because he's in the in the starting lineup. To the bench didn't play a couple games had the 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 issues at the start of the big 10 season so what, what is uh what is his role with the team next year
0: brian thoughts
1: my my summation it's weird what are they 7 and 20 now mm-hmm. i feel i feel good about where they're going like with the group they have like i think the i i don't get caught up like if they win ten or eleven games or nine games, who gives a crap? At the end, when it's all said and done, I mean, I know they want to get a win and experience that feeling, but to me, just the fact that even during this losing streak, it's not like we're watching games where it's just like this is a train wreck, where they're you know down by twenty points at halftime, um, they're there with parts missing. And that's impressive to me, and I that that tells me I think they're going to be fine in a year or two. Um, it's I'm not making a direct comparison, but way back when when Nebraska basketball went and they went on their run in the '90s with Danny Knee, he redshirted a bunch of guys prior, so he had a bunch of guys kind of sitting off to the side, and it's like wait till you see them next year. They went 10 and 18 that year uh, in 1990 before they had the team that was like a three seed. And I'm not saying that's going to happen, but what I'm saying is, I, I, in basketball it can change so quickly, and I just, I just like that, I like that, Ivon's playing better, like I like the last week or two that you're starting to see it from him, where you feel like he feels a little more comfortable playing in the Big Ten.
0: Turns 18 uh, in a
1: couple weeks. Yeah, and you can forget that sometimes. And I was talking off air with you guys. I mean, I, I worry a little bit about his hand sometimes with the ball in the Big Ten, and like. He can be a little clumsy out there, but he's getting it more together and more in order where it looks fluid. And that that's what I've been looking for this whole season. It's like, okay, who are the three or four guys who are going to be important in a year or two still on this roster, and how are they coming along? And I think you can kind of see it. I would like to see Kevin Cross find it again. I didn't. I honestly didn't see much of the game last night, so I didn't see what – what happened with him but um he got the worst technical since uh Siobhan Shields yeah Isaac Copeland oh
2: yeah the one in Minnesota well there was the one at Purdue where he dunked and then like happened to glance at Isaac Haas and they teed him up oh Oh,
0: yeah the one in Minnesota last year that I was at that game and no one in the crowd knew what the technical was for yeah
1: Cam Mack also got one on the island for. Uh, remember, he gave like fake high fives to yes, ghosts. Yep. Like when he made a free throw, which was just funny. But he got a teed up for it. That was a Higgins crew last night, wasn't it? Yeah, it was John Higgins in the flesh. Hmm. I'm not discouraged. That's my take. Gotcha. I'm not. I I I think it's fine. They're going fine.
0: I'm with you. I uh, very intrigued to see what it looks like next year, especially with those guys that have been sitting out because all three of them seem like players that would help out immediately if they were eligible to play right now. All right, well, we are done for today, but we're going to have another podcast later this week Whoa. as well, touching on some recruiting. We got some – Brunch, do you want to get the wheel out? Should we get the wheel out for the next podcast?
2: We, we might have to dig it out of the closet. Okay, um, well. it's, it might you be got it to fit in the it? closet? I wedged it in there. Oh.
0: That thing is damaged if it works yeah
2: hopefully it still spins
0: <laughs> well we'll find out if the, uh, the wheel spins on our next podcast which will be later this week